Gus Kattengill. Hello, sports fans. Well, hello there. Local sports, national sports. The GCAT has got you covered. Oh, you made a wise choice, my friend. Time to tee it up and let it fly. It's the Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengill. Check it out, George. Happy Friday, y'all. It's Maddie Hudak here back with another Hudak Takeover on the Sports Hangover today on the television flagship station, ESPN 100.3 FM. Uh, as always, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Maddie Hudak underscore 95. I'm sorry, I just said my own Twitter name wrong. Underscore 94. Uh, and on USA Today's Saints Wire. And I'm filling in while Gus calls some women's soups at Tulane. Um, we are having some technical difficulties, just to warn y'all. Uh, so I'm currently calling in to the station. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, let's uh, see what we can do as Gus left me the honor of breaking down last night's 27-17 to 17, uh, Thursday night uh, loss for the Saints to uh, the Dallas Cowboys. You know, if there was ever a game uh, that personified uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly, uh, it was last night's game against the Cowboys. Uh, and, and really the same could be said about, uh, you know, Taysom Hill's performance as the night went on. Um, it was almost kind of like what we'd been seeing for the last couple of weeks just get flipped on its head, uh, where previously we had seen the Saints uh, really flounder for the first three quarters. And then in the fourth quarter is kind of when Trevor Simeon and his four-game stretch really came on strong, um, you know, and at some point to the chagrin of fans who just really weren't fooled by, you know, seeing that late-game start. Uh, but in, in contrast, Taysom Hill actually came out, and this offense was moving to start the game. Uh, it wasn't the prettiest thing ever. And everything still looked out of sorts. And, you know, body language speaking, he did look a little off the whole night. Uh, not to use that as an excuse. And, you know, as I'm continuing, I, I really should pause and say I, I'm not sure if I'm just speaking, um, you know, nonsense at this point because uh, a report just came out. Ian Rappaport uh, did just um, tweet out that Taysom Hill is feared to have suffered a torn tendon in his middle finger that may necessitate, uh, necessitate surgery at some point per sources. Uh, they're they're doing more tests, but it's one of the ailments that Russell Wilson had earlier in this year. It's uh, referred to as mallet finger. Um, I mean, I, I wasn't going to say that his you know finger really had that much to do with last night, but with that news coming out, um, it, it's really hard to say that it, it didn't primarily factor into how that game kind of devolved. Um, so I, you know, with that news coming out, I, I really don't know if there's any point in you know, breaking down uh, the Taysom Hill thing, but I know that it's a hot-button topic, and I know that, you know, I, I'm kind of, you know, the Taysom Hill uh, touter. Um, try not to use the word fangirl anymore, but, you know, I, I supported him throughout the quarterback competition. Not that I didn't support Jameis Winston. It's just, you know, really what I had been thinking with Hill the whole time was that mobility factor, and then had nothing to do with Jameis Winston really at all. Um, and Winston really, you know, proved me wrong in a lot of aspects, but uh, specifically, you know, with his ability to be super mobile and convert with his legs, you know, that was really my argument for Hill was if, if the chips are down and this offense isn't working, he can at least run the ball. Uh, even though when he had been uh, previously the starting quarterback, we really didn't see much of that. We didn't see much of it the first half either. Uh, and until the second half where, you know, it's almost like, you know, the position, and the game plan, it was just totally night and day. I'm pretty sure he came out and almost rushed every uh, single one. Um, and so, you know, initially my uh, talking points were going to be that uh, Hill is probably the quarterback for the rest of the season, but they still have to answer a lot of questions in that aspect. Uh, but 
Now, I'm really not sure, but just looking at, uh, you know, Jason's start and, you know, people trying to figure out where to place the blame, you know, what it comes down to, and really what it comes down to is it just depends if you want to look at this, you know, by the numbers. Uh, so we can start with that and then add some necessary context. Uh, so with, you know, Hill's game last uh, night and in contrast to some of those slow starts that we've seen, uh, we've just seen, you know, a lot of catch-up that this team has found themselves in by the end of the third quarter. Um, you know, time of possession, inability to, you know, score, whether it's, you know, by touchdown, by field goals, extra points, or two-point conversion. All of that was an issue really until the fourth quarter um, for that four-game stretch under Simeon. Uh, and so it's easier to pull up halftime stats than, you know, add the third quarter stats together. Uh, and as I said before, we're operated on a limited basis here. I don't really have any internet or ability to look up much. So I do have, you know, those halftime stats for the last five games. And they pretty much tell the same story as if you added the third quarter. Because, again, what it really came down to under Trevor Simeon was, you know, those fourth quarter comebacks. So, you know, looking at the halftime numbers, well, what we saw last night, um, you know, with Hill leading this team, it was quite promising to start out. Uh, they had eight total first downs in the first half, which was the highest since Tennessee, um, where I believe they had 10, and then followed by six against the Falcons, uh, five first downs against Philadelphia, and four uh, against the Bills in that first half. Um, in terms of, you know, rushing downs, they had two uh, rushing downs and, and six passing downs, which were, again, the most passing first downs since the Tennessee game and the, and the most, uh, you know, because the Tennessee one was five uh, passing first downs. Um, there weren't that many rushing third downs until the third quarter, but going down that list, looking at the, you know, third down conversion rate, uh, at halftime, Hill was 3 of 7 for a 42.9% completion rate, which was miles above 20%, 20%, you know, 28%, and then a whopping 0 of 6 uh, in that Bills game. The rushing game didn't take off. It was only 35, you know, net rushing for the Saints at half. They added 104 to that the next quarter. Uh, but 144 passing yards, again, the highest passing yards since um, Jameis Winston went down. Again, that Tennessee game, which, you know, apparently is the barometer for Comparing these situations, they had 114 there. Uh, most completions, uh, it was, you know, the second time that they actually had, you know, a touchdown uh, heading into halftime, but that time of possession was what stuck out most to me. Uh, the Saints were actually winning the time of possession very, you know, marginally at half with a 15-14 to Dallas's 14-46, but in that third quarter, time of possession, uh, Dallas had it for four minutes and the Saints had it for 10 and a half. So, Looking at those kind of things, it, it really was a different game. And it was a three-point game kind of heading into that third half. So, I'm sorry, that third half, that third quarter. So, the halftime score showed that it was only, uh, I believe, a six-point game. And I know that didn't really feel that great at the time. Uh, but it really felt like this was the closest they had been, um, you know, to be able to be able to close out a game. And then the fourth quarter happened. Um, and it was kind of like, you know, the role is totally reversed where Trevor Simeon was very strong in the fourth quarter and not so much in the first three. And then Hill, you know, had the worst quarter, uh, you know, probably top 10 all time for quarterbacks. If you're talking about, you know, interceptions where he, he had three in that quarter, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, uh, to me, that game really showed that, you know, Taysom giveth the spark to the team, but he could take it away really quickly. And that's pretty much what happened in, in quarter four where, they had zero rushing first downs. Um, they, they really just weren't getting anywhere, but they were playing a lot of catch-up. 
Um, and a lot of that had to do with that ill-timed sack Taysom took on third and two right at the top of the fourth quarter. And again, if I'm you know going to be fair here, I- I've criticized Trevor Simeon in the past for taking ill-timed sacks. That was a very ill-timed sack. Took him out of field goal position. Um, and at that point, it was 20 to 10. And it would actually stay that way until Hill started throwing picks. Uh, and the next score wasn't until that pick six returned for a touchdown by Dallas later on. Uh, but to me, that was really where the game ended. And everything else past that was just desperation. Uh, and when you're in desperation, it's really what happens. Um, it was, you know, very much what, you know, the 2019 Jameis Winston was. Kind of those hero balls. The YOLO, the God's plan that we saw very briefly in week two and, and absolutely never again. Um, it was almost like, you know, Hill took that personality on uh, looking at that situation last night. But Simeon's also thrown picks. They weren't as much of a proverbial nail in the coffin. And, you know, one of those really lacking situational awareness uh, prior to this, uh, you know, halftime against the Eagles. Uh, but I, I really don't know how to defend, you know, three picks in the fourth quarter. And if I'm being entirely honest with you all, um, I, you know, I had to get up so I could prepare for this show. And so I, you know, I left halfway through the fourth quarter. Uh, I missed a couple of the interceptions. I did finish the end of the game, but I didn't really find it necessary to go back and, and watch those interceptions. Um, you know, not because I'm, you know, trying to defend Taysom, pretty much exactly the opposite. From what I saw, they're very much his fault. Uh, and I'm, I'm willing to bet on that. I don't really think, you know, any more thoughtful analysis at that point is going to help that out. Um, you know, how much of it did it have to do with his throwing mechanics being off? But his decision-making wasn't entirely there either, and that also plays into interception. You know, the bottom line is it's the job of the quarterback to protect the football, particularly when the game's on the line. And, you know, he'll fail to do that. Um, his fumbling issue, he, you know, in terms of ball security, the issue with Hill isn't the interceptions. It was the fumbles. Um, and, and he did improve in that aspect, but you can't swap turnovers for turnovers and say that that's, you know, an improvement at this point. Um, well, it's been most clear at this point and, you know, what apparently, you know, is, is relevant moving forward because there's still uh, now a huge question mark with, you know, Hill potentially needing surgery. Um, I have no idea how that affects, you know, week to week basis, but he has a similar uh, injury to Russell Wilson, which was kind of similar, you know, to, to Breeze's injury. Um, you know, they didn't play the next week. Uh, just to say that bluntly. Um, but what's been clear is none of the quarterbacks have, have been the answer, except maybe Jameis Winston. But none, none of them were the problem either. Uh, they they've, you know, haven't shown the ability, at least Hill and Simeon, to elevate the team and, and, you know, and win in the face of adversity. Whereas Winston, you know, that was really where he, you know, his greatness was showing to me. And, and I don't know how else to take, you know, the team going five and two and, and then losing five in a row after their starting quarterback goes down. You know, it, it's a team sport, but that's pretty hard to ignore when it's the most important position on the field. Um, and, you know, it, it just seems like the injury bug is here to stay at, at that position. Heading into the game, you know, Hill is still dealing with a partially torn plantar fascia um, at, this, at the bottom of your foot. Um, you know, a full tear is said to be uh, less painful. I'm assuming the recovery timetable is longer. But to me, you could kind of see that his footwork was just off. Um, and I would really have to go whack and, and, you know, maybe look at that Falcons game where he was briefly in and just kind of see how his footwork was there. Because it all just seemed a little delayed to me. Um, and that can also affect your, you know, throwing mechanics. Um, but, you know, playing with a hit hand on top of that, you know, we had a splint on. I, I know he said that. He wasn't going to use it as an excuse, and it really wasn't a problem after a while. But, you know, I, I'm, it's also hard to look at some of those passes that were clearly just 
off target and not poor decisions. And there were a couple where he threw into, you know, bad decisions. He threw into sticky coverage, and that's how interceptions happen. Uh, but some of those that were off target, it just looked like his throwing mechanics were just totally off, and he was relying a lot on his upper body mechanics, uh, which also can affect that, and that plays into, you know, the, the foot uh, thing. But, you know, the reaction with Taysom is always very grandiose, and it's hard for me to always know, you know, what conversation we're having with him. Uh, you know, are we talking about the quarterback of the future? Are we talking about the quarterback for next week till the end of the season? That, to me, is really where the nuance in that discussion lies. Um, and so, you know, Jameis Winston was clearly the answer. There is no world in which he shouldn't have been the starting quarterback to start this season. Again, I don't know how you look at where this has gone. Uh, able to elevate this offense, convert with his legs, find an identity on this team. Um, it, it's something that we got in the third quarter with Taysom Hill, but we really hadn't seen for four games, three, there are two quarters up until that. And then you see, you know, when, when Hill basically just ran the entire field, kind of like that Patriots final drive in week three, where he honestly just struck down the field and they didn't need to throw a pass at all. Uh, that, that was where you're seeing his X factor that, you know, Simeon doesn't have to offer, but you could also see the benefits of the mobile quarterback, uh, those rollouts he was doing, you know, them running a lot of play action stuff that Drew Brees was starting to implement at the end of last season to kind of get these receivers open. And it was exciting to see quarterback with legs. And it was exciting to see guys like Will Jordan Humphrey get involved in this offense for the first time in a while. Uh, Nick Vanette actually looked like a significant receiving threat. But it kind of seems like we're back to square one uh, if Hill isn't able to go. And so then there's the paramount question. You know, do you go back to Trevor Simeon? It's really, you know, not uh, a fun timeline to consider going down when, you know, he lost four straight in a row and lacks a lot of those factors that Hill has. But the team is still actually in the playoff hunt, um, as crazy as that might seem. And so it really depends on their evaluation of Ian Book at that point. But at the same time, if there was ever, you know, a prime matchup to perhaps stick out a rookie in, uh, the New York Jets are kind of an optimal opponent for that. So that'll be interesting. Um, and on that note, let's get to today's guest lineup so I can, you know, get their thoughts on this as well um, and, and what news has come out uh, in the past, you know, 20 minutes or so. Uh, so up at 12.15 will be Ross Jackson, uh, Locked On Network's partnership manager um, and, you know, the host of Locked On Saints and co-managing editor for Canal 3 Chronicles. At 12.30, I'll have the host of Crunch Time on 103.7 The Game, David Grubb. 115, Rafael Esparza will be joining me, our, uh, you know, gambling analyst from Vegas. And at 130, Marlon Favorite will join us and talk some LSU. And he's a Cowboys fan, so I'll let him float for a while. 145, uh, my Pels guy and my good pal, Todd Graffinini, will be coming on to give an update on that and break down the Saints as well. And then at 230, our NSAC South guy, Leo Haggerty, will come on to kind of break that all down and then talk bucks. Uh, and that's our show. So bear with us today. It's going to be a little shaky with some internet troubles, but cell lines seem to be working. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I will be talking uh, to Ross Jackson and, and breaking down that, that loss. Uh, again, you're listening to the Sports Hangover on the Pelican flagship ESPN New Orleans 100.3 FM. Sports betting is coming to Louisiana, and there's no better place to get in on the action than on FanDuel Sportsbook. To celebrate, we're giving you $100 in free site credit when you register early. That's right. Register and verify now, and you'll receive a free $100 bonus when we're live. FanDuel Sportsbook is safe, secure, and 100% legal and regulated. 
The app is easy to use. They're always hooking you up with great offers. And when you win, you'll get paid in as little as two hours. So see for yourself why FanDuel is America's number one sports book. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and register now to get $100 in free site credit. Must be 21 plus and present in Louisiana. Bonus issued and non-withdrawable site credit that expires seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Louisiana. Go live date. Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. For more than two decades, Reed's Metals has been providing metal roofing, steel buildings, and all the accessories for customers to buy direct and save. Reed's Metals specializes in on-job, sight-standing seam in over 20 colors, plus 26 and 29 gauge AZ-50 and AZ-55 Gavalume, backed by a 45-year written paint warranty and a 25-year warranty on acrylic-coated Gavalume. Buy direct and save Reed's Metals, located at 19 East Lincoln Drive, Northeast Brookhaven, or call 601-823-6516, online at reedsmetals.com. Sunrise in the blue skies. Birds flying through paradise A little bit longer Another day stronger Somebody smiling down on me With those warm days And cooler nights Friends and family and candlelight Feels like I've been running But something better's coming Don't want to have the Rouse's Markets knows there's no place like home For the holidays Rouse's Markets Feels like home Say you do here. Sports. sports. All day long. Hello, sports fans. Now back to the Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengau. Welcome back to the Sports Hangover, y'all. Uh, on the Pelican flagship ESPN New Orleans 100.3 FM. Uh, it's Maddie Hudak here in studio. As always on Twitter, Maddie Hudak underscore 94. Filling in for Gus while he calls some women's hoops. And again, uh, apologies for the brief technical difficulties. We're trying my AirPods now to see if that sounds a little better. Uh, but let's welcome our guest for this segment, uh, host of Locked on Saints, uh, fellow Hudak Confessional podcast host, um, you know, partnership manager at Locked on Network and Canal Street Chronicles co-managing editor, and dear friend Ross Jackson on Twitter, at Ross Jackson, uh, ask Ross Jackson Nola. I'm doing great today, Ross, but how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great. Always a pleasure to be here with you, Maddie. Thanks so much for uh, having me back on with you. Oh, yeah. Um uh, if you were uh, paying and listening to the opener, we uh, don't have internet here. So I am uh, currently talking to you on the phone and I uh, gave myself the wrong Twitter handle earlier. So that's, that's where we're at. Uh, <laughs> we just show. switched up everybody's Twitter handles today. Nothing wrong with that. Have a little fun. Yeah. Yeah. Add a little underscore to yours. Uh, just, you know, dysfunctional <laughs> is uh, the theme of the week. Uh, and, you know, my, my question for you to start off this segment was, was going to be, you know, What's the quarterback of the future moving forward? Uh, and some recent news from Ian Rappaport uh, might have changed that a lot. So uh, I tried to break it down for uh, people uh, while using my hotspot. But well, what's the news about Taysom Hill and how does that really you know, affect the situation here and now? Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, this is going to give you an opportunity to really get a look at Taysom Hill over the course of the last six games of the season, and now it looks like he might be missing time. Uh, that finger injury that we did expect was going to impact at least somewhat his performance moving forward, depending upon how much it needed to be bandaged or splinted or something like that, ended up being effectively the same injury that cost Russell Wilson three games earlier this season, an injury that's affectionately referred to as mallet finger. Um, and so that might require some surgery or it looks like the, the fear at this moment is that there's ligament damage there that will require surgery. And if that's the case, you could certainly expect 
Taysom Hill to, to miss some time. And, you know, long-term, this can have an impact on, on his throwing to a certain extent. Thankfully, there will very likely be an off-season uh, before we see Taysom Hill throw a football again so that there's not really an evaluation put on him immediately post-surgery and things like that. But, uh, you know, like this was going to be your opportunity to really get an opportunity to look at him. And now it looks like the New Orleans Saints are going to be in a situation to where the rest of the season they might have to ride it out with Trevor Simeon, potentially Ian Book, or, you know, some other option that's out there somewhere uh, in the universe. The New Orleans Saints continue sort of this really sort of strange season of injuries. Yeah, it's just the quarterback carousel in, in terms of injury and, you know, not really any of them getting a, a chance to see any trajectory through. Um, uh, but, you know, just to kind of go back to, you know, last night's uh, game, I, I tried to catch some of your Locked On episode. I looked at kind of some of your talking points, and the first one was, you know, Taysom Hill is the quarterback for now, which is up in the air, but not the quarterback of the future. And that's really, I think, where everyone uh, is looking at that game. But is that something we should be looking at at this point? Or, you know, is, is looking into next season uh, just a little ahead of everything at this point? Yeah, I think looking into next season is a little bit premature, but it's certainly something that you have to consider. Um, you know, there's still five games left to be played this season, and you get the opportunity here to try to stay as alive as possible or get a look at, you know, players that might hang in the balance over the course of this offseason. So no matter what, there's going to be a bit of a forward trajectory and a bit of forward motion when it comes to even paying attention to the end of the season. Um, you know, the, the idea of Taysom Hill being the quarterback for now, as you mentioned, hangs in the balance at this point, understandably so. But, you know, it looked like at this point that that was going to be your best option in terms of the rest of the season to get some, you know, high variation, uh, high volatility type play out of your quarterback position to where you can get these big explosive plays and then hopefully be able to win on the gusts of those. Now you're going to have to look for more steady quarterback play, more distributive quarterback play, game manager quarterback play moving forward throughout the rest of the season. And so it'll be very interesting to see where the Saints go next, how they handle this next game, um, you know, with 10 days off in between, or not 10 days off, but 10 days in between games uh, from last night's loss and the New York Jets game in New Jersey coming up. And, you know, it, it, it's always going to hang in the back of the, the minds of Saints fans watching. And I think even this New Orleans Saints organization, as they look and evaluate what they have on this roster and what this roster will look like throughout the offseason. Right. Uh, and, and we're both kind of on the same page where some people might not be having fun anymore and don't think there's anything left to analyze. But, you know, I, I am I'm almost more intrigued than ever now, uh, especially with, you know, this upteenth injury at quarterback. Uh, we, you know, did a podcast yesterday with David Grubb, who will be my next guest. Uh, and we were all kind of talking about that. This team is just not going to tank. It's just not really their mentality. It's not their culture. Uh, and it doesn't really do justice to, you know, the defensive side of the ball for one. So, you know, looking uh, into this next game against the Jets, it, it seems like it should be an easier matchup than what they've been seeing. Um, so, you know, what do you think it, they will be looking at at that quarterback role and how they manage things like the Alvin Kamara injury moving forward? Yeah, these, these are the good questions that are going to be really, really interesting to see how the Saints go about this, especially if the offensive line gets healthier and you're able to get, you know, Ryan Ramchick and Tron Armstead back to this lineup. And then, you know, you could potentially return Alvin Kamara if the Saints decide to go that route and still, you know, play those players, which I think if they're healthy, they'll see the field. Then I, I wouldn't be surprised to see this team go back to Trevor Simeon and try to make Trevor Simeon, you know, try to give Trevor Simeon an opportunity with a healthier roster around him, a healthier offensive line and a run game, which which I think would be where they would lean the most. I don't think you would see many of those 
40 pass pass attempt Trevor Simeon games for the rest of this season, uh, especially if the defense plays the way that it did last night and as long as the offensive line holds up. And, you know, certainly that was something that was a bit of a concern last night. You saw the Dallas Cowboys generate pressure on 39.8% of their blitzes, some things with, you know, Cesar Ruiz on the interior hand placement, stuff like that, as well as some of these, you know, big um, tackle question marks with James Hurst, as well as um, Jordan Mills getting his first start with the team. And so there, you know, there's all these questions on the offensive line, but if you can get the bookends there, if you can get the running back there and get your star player there in terms of Alvin Kamara, who's really your last remaining anchor point in terms of playmakers on your offense, then, you know, I, I think that the Saints will do everything that they can to stay competitive, as intriguing as it might be to want to take a look at Ian Book. I don't know if this is really the environment to throw a young rookie into. Yeah, I think that's a question on a lot of people's minds is, is kind of that usage of Ian Book, but it's hard not to look at, you know, what would be, I would kind of consider, you know, a veteran backup professional in Trevor Simeon, uh, and then, you know, a quarterback that's been with this team for five years uh, and has, you know, had experience playing as a quarterback in mm-hmm. the NFL and really, you know, having issues behind that line. So you know, when it's a fourth-round prospect, it really is a different conversation, um, and, and I, I'm with you that I don't think it's one we'll be having uh, this week. But uh, the, your, your last point and, and what you were kind of saying before, you know, this defense, uh, they're they're still a competitive unit, you know, just as much as they've been this whole season. And, and you know, your your other point on, on your locked on episode was that they deserve a better offense at this point. So, what have you mm-hmm. what did you see from the defense last night that you know gave you some more promise and perhaps anything you know um, that turned around after that four game stretch? Yeah, look, I mean, I think you got one of Marshawn Lattimore's better games in this one. You know, he allowed some yardage, 50 yardage, fifty yards through the air, but a 33.3 passer rating when targeted, had uh, three total passes defense, including an interception as well at one point. I mean, I-, I thought he was absolutely stellar. Quan Alexander and Demario Davis were both stellar as well. This defense held Dallas to their third worst yards per play total this season with only four, uh, excuse me, 5.6 yards per play. They held Dak Prescott to his third lowest passer rating of the season, third lowest yards per attempt average of the season, and third lowest completion percentage of the season. At one point, forced two three and outs in the third quarter, three of them in the fourth quarter, and then also had an interception. And the Saints offense turned those possessions into a field goal, two three and outs, and three straight interceptions, um, including a pick six on one of those. And so I think when you look at the performance of the defense in this game going up against the Dallas, Cowboys offense that was a number one producing offense in the NFL when it came to total yardage was one of the highest scoring offenses in the NFL as well and got several big pieces back in terms of getting CeeDee Lamb back as well as Amari Cooper back though Amari Cooper only played 24 snaps in this game you still saw them get a lot of their pieces back and this Saints defense rose to the task and was there for the occasion but unfortunately the offense wasn't able to cash in on the opportunities that the uh, defense was able to create for them uh yeah and that's kind of been, you know, the case. And I think the defense has gotten a lot of flack in these last couple of games, but you've got those time of possessions and, and just, you know, the inability to generate any points on offense. It's really hard to point to them uh, at this point, but yeah, they, they have a bunch of playmakers uh, on defense. It's just a question of where they can find them on offense. But, you know, there were, again, some things of promise. Uh, Nick Vanette actually kind of looked like a legitimate tight end last night. Yeah, I thought he had a really nice game. I mean, you know, always lovely to see a tight end screen pan out, right? Uh, so it was great to see that. And then you also had him, you know, have a couple of these big moments as well throughout the game. And, you know, I, I think it, it's unfortunate that the big 25-yard run by 
um, by Mark Ingram ended up getting erased via a Nick Vanette holding penalty, but he turned around in that same drive and had that big catch and run on the tight end screen. Yes. And so you like to see that short memory, you know what I mean, from the offensive side and from these players. And so great to see that veteran tight end presence be something which the Saints haven't had at all this season. I'll be able to turn around and give them a little bit of a lift in the passing game. And, you know, they nearly got their first, believe it or not, the Saints have not produced a 100-yard pass catcher at either the wide receiver or tight end position at all this season. They haven't done it yet. The only 100-yard receiver the Saints have produced was 128 yards receiving by Alvin Kamara up against the Seattle Seahawks. And Deontay Harris was almost there, 96 yards, came up just four yards short, had a drop at one point that probably would have gotten him there. Uh, had the big 71-yard catch and run that was unfortunately you know, a little late in the game to get that. But, hey, he almost hit that 100-yard, that century mark. But the big issue here is that you know we're talking about players that could potentially lose. Deontay Harris still you know, staring in the face of a potential three-game suspension here at some point over the next five. And so it'll be interesting to see when that comes down, when we find that out, and is how that correlates with what the New Orleans Saints decide to do moving forward throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, uh, so many question marks. I, I totally forgot about the Deontay Harris thing, and so you just brought it up. It's like literally mm-hmm. so many things that it's hard to keep track of. Uh, before I let you go, um, you know, again, I, I, I might be a delusional optimist, but I think that they can, you know, beat the New York Jets. And, you know, if, if you're on that same page, what would be, you know, the unit that really would make that difference and finally see a win on this team? Yeah, I mean, I think you have to get the two tackles back. You have to get Alvin Kamara back. I mean, if this team wants to find a way to finish out this season as strong as possible, and look, I'm not going to sit here and like really play up the idea of them being a playoff team at this point until we know that they can be healthy and that they can play a game without losing key pieces. And this has just been a really absurd season when it comes to injuries for the New Orleans Saints. So it all comes down to health for me. If you can get those two tackles back, you can get Alvin Kamara back, you can get C.J. Gardner-Johnson back, even add Adam Troutman back into the mix at some point over these next couple of weeks, maybe even get Peyton Turner back from injured reserve, then all of a sudden you're in a position to where you should have enough pieces to be competitive in the games that you should win, like the divisional games, for instance, this upcoming game against the Jets. So I think that's the unit that they have to put out on the field if they want to finish this season as strongly as possible. I still look at three games kind of being the realistic um, uh, you know, best possible scenario for them, but they could walk away with four. I just, it's hard to really see it all come together now that they're going through yet another quarterback change. Usually when teams shuffle quarterbacks like this throughout a season, they're just not winning teams. And so the Saints are going to have to find a way to really make it happen on the ground and the defense just like they did early on in the season. That was a formula that worked before. Hopefully it can work for them again. All right. And again, that's Locked On Saints. Rock Jackson on Twitter at Rock Jackson. No lie. Got it correct that time. Thank you so much for breaking down that game with me. Uh, and we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, uh, David Grubb will be joining me to continue breaking this down. Ross, thank you as always. We can know that when I want Working for a living Working Working for a living on August 29, 2021, Hurricane Ida wreaked havoc on our community, leaving thousands of people feeling helpless, vulnerable, and desperate. We refuse to let insurance companies do the same. At AMO Trial Lawyers, we have assembled a team of not only attorneys, but also contractors, adjusters, engineers, and estimators with the focus of maximizing your claim value and assisting in your recovery. If you think your insurance company isn't treating you fairly, get a name that insurance companies know by calling 985 446 3333. I'm Matt Ori. And I'm David Ardwin. And we are the AMO Advantage. 
Welcome back. We've missed you. We know it's been tough. Because rebuilding your business isn't for the faint of heart. Your business needs a jump start. And we're here to help. Introducing Surge, symmetrical speed fiber internet from Etel Business. Revved up data speeds at 30% off, plus three months free. We're glad you're back. And we're here to make your business surge. Etel Business. Offer valid on three-year contract for two or more business services. Advanced Eye Institute and Cutoff is your hometown eye care provider. Dr. Darby Chasson is here to serve the eye care needs of your entire family. Full-service eye medical and vision services are provided in a friendly atmosphere. For the latest in designer frames to advancements in astigmatism and bifocal contact lenses, call Advanced Eye Institute at 985-632-2884 for your appointment today or visit our website at visionsourceadvancedeyecutoff.com. A new name, a new era. TGMC is now Terrebonne General Health System. This change reflects our transition to more of an all-around healthcare partner rather than just a healthcare provider. With new facilities, new innovations, and new ways to help you, we've done more than change our name. We've changed our future. To see what's new at Terrebonne General Health System, visit TGHealthSystem.com. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Let's hit it. Now back to The Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengau. Welcome back, y'all, to The Sports Hangover. It looks like we got some internet, so hopefully this sounds a bit better. Uh, and we are back uh, with the Hudak takeover on The Sports Hangover on the Pelicans flagship ESPN New Orleans, 100.3 FM. As again, it's Maddie Hudak here in studio uh, on Twitter at MattyHudak underscore 94, not 95, as I said in the opener. Uh, filling in for Gus while he's calling some women's hoops. And let's welcome our 12.30 p.m. guest, host of Crunch Time on 103.7 The Game and host of Dome Patrol podcast with Ross Jackson, who we all had a nice little uh, roundtable discussion heading into that uh, matchup against the Cowboys that was perhaps a little too optimistic. Uh, speaking with David Grubb on Twitter at DM Grubb. How are you, David? Who's this? Huh? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Don't do I'm this to me. <laughs> I'm sorry. How are you doing today? Uh, we're, we're, you know, about as functional as the uh, Saints team was on the field last night. But, uh, you know, we, we talked about a lot of ways that this team could uh, fix things. And uh, I don't really know if we got any of those answers last night. And I don't know if we've gotten even farther away from that now that, you know, Taysom Hill is injured. But one of the things we talked about was, you know, those slower starts on offense and having to play catch up in the fourth quarter. Uh, it was almost like Freaky Friday and, and that entire thing just switched entirely to me where the first three quarters were actually promising and then the fourth quarter was a mess yeah there were so many wasted opportunities um either by you know missed field goals obviously um and then of course you had penalties that ended really promising drives and turnovers um early on the Saints really could have gone into the half and should have in my opinion you know gone in with probably at least a three-point lead probably a six-point lead uh, and, and I think that changed the game right there before you get to the penalty in the second half. But there were opportunities. There were times. It wasn't great. It wasn't fantastic. But one of the things that we talked about um, in our conversation was just extending some drives. And they were able to do that, to not go three and out every time. And that was a big step forward over the past two weeks. Yeah, uh, the, that's kind of what stuck out to me in that, that first drive was, you know, it was – it wasn't three and out. There weren't any points, uh, but 
there was actually kind of something to work with. But as I was just talking about with Ross, you know, I here I am preparing a uh, segment, you know, at nine in the morning following that game uh, and trying to evaluate Taysom Hill because as we talked about yesterday, you know, that's that's my guy for lack of a better term. But now now he might not be anyone's guy uh, because he might need finger surgery. Uh, so. It's safe to say that this is a quarterback, you know, implosion at this point on this team, and I'm really not sure how to solve it moving forward at this point. Maybe you can convince convince Arch Manning or something to to leave school um, and give it a shot. Um, Walker Howard, you know, see if he doesn't want to go to LSU. But um, other than that, yeah, you know, there was there was promise in Taysom's performance, and um, no, it didn't look like you know, front caliber starting material, but you don't really know how much of that was the finger too, um, how much of that was a problem for him in making some throws and how much of it was the pressure of trying to, to squeeze those points out of the out of those last few drives. But yeah, now what do you do? How do you evaluate anything and anybody related to this offense? Are you going to waste potentially bringing Alvin Kamara back off of injury and putting him behind a, behind a line that's going to be facing eight and nine-man fronts? whether you're playing with Trevor Simeon or Ian Book, um, and just have them beat up on a guy who's been beaten in a 17-game season already. So what do you do? Uh, it, that just makes it hard. This isn't a team that's going to quit. They're not going to just decide that the season's over. But strategically and health-wise, do you start making business decisions for some of these other players and start preparing for next season because there's so much you already don't know about next year? Yeah, I, I think that's a good point and, 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 you know, a very nuanced way, uh, to kind of look at this situation. Um, which I, oh my God, I just lost my train of thought. Dave, please give me a cue here. We're talking about what the Saints office can do going forward. Yeah. Um, I, I'm about as scatterbrained as, as that team is right now. Um, you know, but I, I yeah, with the Alvin Kamara thing, that, that's really the nuanced discussion here is, you know, everyone's kind of, you know, on, uh, tank or don't tank, but, there's, you know, there's tanking and then there's, you know, still trying to win a season, but not trying to decimate, you know, the most important players on, on your team and, and the future of, of this Saints team at this point uh, in, in someone like Kamara. You know, uh, I think Cesar Ruiz is, is the one who's had the most starts on the offensive line this season. Uh, and that that line just hasn't held up to standards and they really haven't given any quarterback a chance to succeed. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you look at this Jets game and it, it seems like a, a, a light matchup. But at this point, it's hard for me to say, you know, that they should risk it with Kamara not knowing enough about his injury. Uh, but it really just doesn't matter if that line can't make holes for the run game. No, and you saw again, it just it was such a struggle for them to get anything in the run game. And even and pass protection, again, was non-existent at times. Just guys were able to get through and make contact with Taysom on a regular basis and, um, you know, start with – making contact on running backs before they get to the line of scrimmage. So do you want to put an injured Alvin Kamara out there for that? Or do you want to say, okay, Tony, if when you come back or, you know, when all these guys are somewhat healthy, you just have to give them the carries and find out until you're really sure on the health of these guys. Because at the very least, if you give Alvin Kamara another two weeks, you're not going to be out of it still. You're not going to be out of it with Washington having to play Dallas two times in the next three weeks with the Falcons being the Falcons with a lot of these teams that are still going to just be hanging around five and seven, six and eight, six and nine. So you have a couple of weeks still 
before the Saints are in a real chance of being eliminated from the playoff discussion. So I, that's what I would be thinking is let's try not to rush any of this for the sake of trying to steal this game with the Jets and with the Buccaneers and then try to you know play as best you can for those last three. Uh, yeah, uh, it's it's hard to really say anything but that. Um, and, you know, it's kind of almost a trap game at that point saying, you know, that it's such a winnable game. Uh, but I'm with you that it, it might not be worth, you know, rushing these chips. Um, I mean, the Detroit Lions are still not mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, just to say. Um, so, yeah, there's a very strong chance that they might be able to hang in. Um, and then that kind of leads me to what I'm considering at this point, you know, if let's let's say that Taysom Hill can't play for the rest of the season, um, and you know they're able to somehow still make the playoffs, that could be looking at a, a timeline where Hill could be back under center. Uh, but at that point, is it more important of of who got them there at the end of the season under center, or would you be kind of looking at that position, you know, again at that point? To me, if you if you find a way into the playoffs and Taysom is available then you have to play Taysom because he's the one you have an investment in. If he's healthy and can go, then you're trying to win that game. And if you're trying to win that game, then I'm trying to do it with the quarterback who I know is going to be on my roster next year. There's not a single other person in that building that you can lock down and say will definitely be on the Saints roster outside of Taysom Hill. So if, you're, if he ends up being the starter next year by some act of nature, then don't you want to find out if he can play in the, in the biggest fulcrum possible? Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Although, you know, when it comes to, you know, rational discussion and Taysom Hill, I don't think that the two of them can coexist in any, uh, any, uh, stratosphere at this point. Uh, but, you know, on the defensive side of things, I, I thought that there was a lot of improvement in, in some positions, you know, markedly at the linebacker role, specifically Quan Alexander had a really good game. Um, you know, Bradley Roby was targeted quite a bit, but to me, the issue on the defense still remains in, in the pass rush, which is, almost as decimated as as the offensive side of the ball at this point. Yeah, you know, we saw them try to be creative and send um, P.J. Williams for pressure, um, try some blitzes. The linebackers did do a great job, I thought, the entire night um, in disrupting things, but that's where the pressure had to come from. The front line isn't giving you anything at this point because they're just they're too decimated. At times when they get a surge, when you see Davenport, you know, from the edge making some pressure, it's, it's occasional. Cam Jordan, there are times when it looks like he's walking right now. Like, it, it just doesn't look like he, he, he has enough burst at this point to consistently give you, without a rotation, maybe for 25 plays a game, he can give you everything. But not for 50, not for 60 snaps a game. He just doesn't have it. So if you're not getting that consistent pressure, that gave Dallas those opportunities to convert on third and 18. That gave them opportunities to, you know, get these um, plays for Tony Jones. I mean, not for Pollard, where he could, that big run comes from is there's no penetration on the line. There's none. That hole is there, and he gets second level, and once you pass the linebacker, it's over. So that's, that's the problem for this team right now, too. Defensively, it's not the back end. Yeah, they've made some mistakes, and you're right. They, you know, they were targets by Roby early in the first half. But in the second half, you didn't see them getting the same kind of big gains through the air that they got in the first half, but they still weren't getting to Dak Prescott. They didn't hit him. They didn't make him uncomfortable. It just made bad, they just made bad decisions. It felt like from Dallas's um, playbook um, a lot of the time. But, yeah, there's no pressure from the Saints D-line. 
Yeah, I mean, when P.J. Williams is kind of the scariest guy lining up on the line, I don't really know what else to say about that. But I think you bring up a good point with, you know, just lacking those rotational pieces at all, um, even though the time of possession was, you know, a little um, more in, in the Saints' favor. Uh, but, you know, looking at, at this uh, next couple of stretches, uh, it doesn't really look like they'll face, you know, a mobile quarterback until that Dolphins game. Um, so, you know, what— do you, uh, just so before I let you go, uh, if you had to, you know, put a quarterback under center next week with the Hill injury in mind, uh, who would be your starter? I think you start Simeon because you he's practiced, um, but I think you prepare Book as if yeah. he's going to to play significant snaps. I, I I just think that's what you have to do at this point. Is that you, you've lost so much um, at the quarterback position, you have to be prepared for anything. So Book should be getting snaps. You, Simeon, getting fewer snaps in practice isn't going to kill him now. You prepare for him as a starter, but you have book ready to go. Yeah, I mean, you kind of quite literally have to because they're right at that point. If if he'll, you know, need surgery or anything like that, would be no backup quarterback. coming weeks about this again this is the host of crunch time on 103.7 the game david grubb on twitter at dm grubb dave thanks for uh joining me today and hopefully the next time we speak it'll be a little less uh doomsday it'll be soon though so it'll be soon (laughs) absolutely all right we're gonna take a quick break y'all and we'll be back with the sports hangover on the pelicans flagship espn new orleans 100.3 fm DraftKings Sportsbook is coming soon to Louisiana, and it won't be long until you can bet on all of your favorite sports from the comforts of your own home. To celebrate, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving customers $100 in free bets when you sign up before they go live. No deposit required. DraftKings is bringing their experience as a leader in daily fantasy sports to the sports betting world and have created one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code LaRose when you sign up. Those who sign up right now will get $100 in free bets to use once mobile sports betting hits Louisiana. That's code LaRose to get $100 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-877-70-STOP. 21 and over. Louisiana only. Availability varies by parish. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for full terms and conditions. Energize your business with Bayou Black Electric Supply in Homa. When you're elbow deep in a job, the last thing you need is to lose time and money fetching electrical supplies. Bayou Black Electric will deliver your items to the job site. There's daily scheduled service throughout South Louisiana, Lafouche, Terrebonne, Morgan City, New Iberia, and Lafayette, plus the River Parishes, too. If you need parts, call Bayou Black Electric Supply, 985-223-8807, Highway 311 in Homa. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates on auto insurance. But what does that mean? Surprising. This often means something comes out of nowhere, like finding that $20 bill in your dryer. Great? Well, obviously, great means superior. Rates? Simply what one pays in exchange for something. And in this case, that something is State Farm being there when you need them most. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Individual premiums will vary by customer. All applicants subject to State Farm underwriting requirements. When you want the real deal, call State Farm agent Ashley Barrios in Cutoff. Good afternoon. 
Welcome back to the Hudak Takeover on the Sports Hangover on the Pelicans flagship ESPN New Orleans 100.3 FM. It's Maddie Hudak here in studio at Maddie Hudak underscore nine four on Twitter, filling in for Gus while he calls some women's hoops. Uh, so just to recap the uh, past 45 minutes that have been a little bit of a blur uh, as we, you know, have a steady internet connection back in here and my thoughts can settle along with that. Um, you know, I kind of recapped the the game and, and the takeaways at quarterback, all of which might be a moot point. Uh, by now with, you know, Hill potentially being out, uh, you know, with a finger injury. Um, I, you know, we had Ross Jackson on at Ross Jackson Nola, David Grubb at DM Grubb on Twitter. Uh, and they've kind of, you know, said the same song that I've been saying at this point. Um, but, you know, looking at some of those things that they brought up, I, I think that, you know, Dave touched on something really important, um, you know, with the pass rush and lacking those rotational pieces. Um, you know, Tano Passignon, uh, who was placed on injured reserve before uh, the start of that game and has missed, I believe, the last couple of games, if not the previous two before that. Uh, prior to that, he was leading the team in sacks before Marcus Davenport came back. Um, you know, he had solved a lot of the issues at defensive interior. That was really the position that was hurt the most in the salary caps exodus this offseason, you know, with Sheldon Rankins, Malcolm uh, Brown. I know there's Malcolm Roach on the team now. I think there just were so many pieces, uh, that, you know, left. Uh, and then you look at, you know, guys like Trey Hendrickson that left as well and trying to kind of satisfy that by drafting Peyton Turner, um, who that, you know, thus far really hasn't, you know, seen, I, I think he hasn't played more than five games and, and he, he's still injured at this point as well. And so then you add Tano Passignon to that. Then you add Marcus Davenport, who to me was the best player on the defense, uh, you know, considering, how much he brought to the pass rush and his ability to get the entire line working for the first time really all season when he came back from injured reserve, um, I believe after the bye week, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, you know, I, you could make a case for guys like Demario Davis, Marshawn Lattimore, absolutely. Uh, but to me, you know, Davenport's immediate impact just couldn't be understated. And so, you know, when you look at, at the game last night, it just, you know, kind of like the O-line where, you know, there's guys like Jordan Mills that are at this point, you know, seeing starter uh, snaps and just, you know, uh, it's really just not the team that I think, you know, the the team was really expecting to be looking at uh, when they were kind of coming into this game. Um, you know, looking at, at the snaps on defense last night, uh, you know, the who had the most snaps, uh, Cam Jordan, as always, you know, he had 57 snaps. Um, uh, you know, on the defensive line and, you know, we, we've kind of, he's been a, t- a button all season for lack of a better term. You know, he hasn't really generated, um, you know, as much pressure, as much sacks that, you know, we're perhaps used to and that at this point, you know, a leader on the defense, uh, you know, should be doing at this point. Uh, he does have four sacks. Uh, he has 10 hurries and I believe 22 hits unless I have those backwards on PFF. Uh, but, you know, it, it's just not, you know, the sack party by Cam Jordan that we're used to in those games where Cam Jordan has, you know, a, a game of his life. Uh, everything kind of seems to come along with that. Uh, he, he just really hasn't been able to, you know, s- sustain that at this point. But this is a team that, you know, was built on a rotational pass rush. You know, David Onyemata, he was a rotational piece really until I, b- I believe last season where he started to come on super strong. Uh, that That's really how they've always operated. And when you look at the issues that have plagued this team this season, like time of possession, inability to generate, you know, drives and points on offense. Um, having those rotational pieces in the pass rush is all but essential, especially when you consider how many mobile quarterbacks this team has faced this season. You know, 
They started, I guess, with uh, Daniel Jones and the New York Giants, um, where he looked like Lamar Jackson at points. Taylor Heineke with the Washington football team. Uh, they were, you know, lucky and missed out on Russell Wilson and, and met Geno Smith uh, against the Seahawks. Um, Matt Ryan actually looked like a mobile quarterback when they lost to him. Ryan Tannehill isn't the most mobile quarterback, but he's one of those guys that can operate in the backfield and, and use his feet to navigate the pocket. Uh, and then, you know, Josh Allen is, is Josh Allen. He's the pinnacle mobile quarterback. And, and Dallas, I'm uh, Dak Prescott. He, he's pretty mobile himself. So that, that's, I, I'm sorry. I forgot the Philadelphia Eagles, who are perhaps, you know, the biggest glaring point with, you know, Jalen Hurts and, and that horrible matchup, uh, that they have against the Eagles. But, you know, looking forward on the schedule, they really only have, you know, one mobile quarterback left. Uh, you know, the, the Jets, I, I don't, really know what's going on with their quarterback situation. They've had, you know, as many injuries as the Saints have had at quarterback, Um, you know, who Zach Wilson, you know, they kind of won in spite of him. They they did beat the Houston Texans. So as much as we're looking at that game as an easy win, any given Sunday, uh, but it kind of seemed like, you know, in spite of Wilson's play, who, you know, had struggled after missing four games because of a sprained right knee. Uh He, you know, threw a couple uh Ugly interceptions, uh, took really, I believe, four sacks and just misfired quite a bit. Um, I know that his development has kind of, you know, stalled this season, uh, but they, you know, they have, uh, Joe Flacco there now, I, I suppose. It's a question of who I guess will, you know, be facing the Saints next week, but really, you know, two on, uh, two on the Dolphins is the most mobile quarterback kind of left. Uh, it depends on how you feel about Cam Newton's mobility at this point, uh, you know, with that pa- Panthers matchup being their second to last um, and final home game of the season uh, on January 2nd. So the mobile quarterbacks have mostly gone away. But, you know, I was talking with, with Ross and, and Dave, there's still a strong chance this team could still make the playoffs. I know that sounds absurd to say. And I mean, they have to they have to win against the Jets. If, if they don't, I really don't know what to say at that point. But uh, as I mentioned, I think it's, you know, a billion percent chance. But if the Detroit Lions are still in the playoffs, who are also in the NFC, uh, the Saints are absolutely still in the playoffs. So the question is, when they get to the playoffs, what type of quarterbacks are they going to be facing then? But at the same time, when you get to the playoffs, you might actually have guys back like uh, Tano Passignon, potentially. I'm not sure about Peyton Turner and, and hopefully Marcus Davenport. So there is something to be said about the potential, I guess, of this team should they stumble their way into the playoffs, um, including now Taysom Hill. And I'm kind of with Dave that, you know, if if they manage to kind of win these next couple of games, um, you know, Simeon went 0-4. So, I mean, if he wins these next games out, uh, it'll definitely be a question if he's, you know, a super hot hand heading into the playoffs. But... Uh, I we've all kind of just been you know, saying at this point it, it's going to turn into a quarterback management role at this point. You know the evaluation really isn't going to be there. Uh, I don't really think they're you know evaluating Simeon as a long term option. And you know until this uh, season is out of reach, uh, it, it's just really not worth it to potentially you know muck up your developmental prospect in Ian Book. Uh, so there's a strong chance that they could make the playoffs, and, and Taysom Hill is available to go. And there might be a valid question at that point of. Did Simeon, you know, earn the right to lead this team into the playoffs? But I think Dave brought up a good point where, you know, we are, I'm at least much more curious to evaluate Taysom Hill than I am Trevor Simeon. Um, and I know that's not the right attitude necessarily for the playoffs, but I think Hill showed that there is a path to victory with him under center if he's healthy. Uh, and remembering, you know, that 
That was his first start at quarterback since 2020. He really hadn't played in seven weeks on this team at all and, and in practice really for the last couple of weeks. So, you know, one week to prepare for starting quarterback when that really hasn't been the role you've been prepping for since the preseason, I guess. Uh, and then any real time, you know, action as a quarterback since 2020, um, you're, you're going to see those growing pains, but you know, maybe that's something that he's able to return in the playoffs. And if that pass rush comes back and if Alvin Kamara, you know, is healthy at that point, there is actually some hope uh, to be had on this team, which I know, you know, sounds pretty absurd, but that that's where we're at. So I don't know. Uh, looking forward, what do you do? Uh, what do you do at quarterback? Um, you know, at least in terms of now, it, it has to be Trevor Simeon, right? I mean, as Dave said, you know, he doesn't even need to get, you know, more reps in practice because he's been getting them the last couple weeks as a starting quarterback. He knows these guys. He's he's familiar enough with the offense. It's really Ian Book that has to get some time with these starters, if nothing else, for the fact that he he's going, you know, if Hill can't go, Ian Book is QB2. There isn't another quarterback on the roster. And the emergency quarterbacks uh, are both injured in Alvin Kamara and Adam Trotman. And I don't really know if there's a third one at that point uh, that, that could fill in. But, you know, Book has to be dressed here on out, uh, especially even if Hill's status is, is up in the air uh, like it was the past couple weeks. Uh, I'd arguably have to dress Book as well. Uh, but he, he really has to start seeing some time in practice at a minimum. Um, and, and it'll be curious to see, you know, if, if this team does – continue on they'll probably stick with Simeon but if they lose these next couple it would just at that point kind of be worth it to you know throw him out there uh and see if he can beat some divisional rivals I guess at that point um so we are uh gonna take another break here uh, and I will be back and I'll keep recapping uh last night's loss and looking forward for this Saints season on the sports hangover on the Pelicans flagship ESPN PN New Orleans 100.3 FM you Five G is here, but the big carriers want you to sign a pricey long-term contract to get in on the action. Well, no more, because Straight Talk Wireless has rolled out five G coverage nationwide with plans. Started-